Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB, alone in the dungeon today because Tim is down the line in a shipping container, we'll come to him shortly, and Phil is backpacking around Malaysia with a one-year-old. Today we'll talk about the salary cap, we'll talk about Europe, we'll talk about next week's Gallagher Premiership action, but before that let me tell you where you can find us. You can find me at jbeardmore on Twitter, you can find Tim at Cocker, and you can find us, the Egg Chasers, also on, on Twitter. Right, well I've done my introduction alone, because we've had to record the rest of the podcast separately, so here you go, this is me talking to Tim about rugby. Good evening JB. Good evening Timothy, how are you? I'm alright, I'm sorry I couldn't be there in person in the rugby dungeon, uh, I am currently at work by London Bridge Station, having just landed about 45 minutes ago at Gatwick from a weekend in Ireland. And you know what, oh, I'm excited to report that on this podcast I am going to be able to give a full blow-by-blow account of the game that everybody was watching, Munster versus Ospreys. Big one, hey? Huge yeah, one. huge. Huge. Yeah, well, I'm feeling, I'm feeling quite lonely down here, actually. There's no Phil, obviously you're away. Uh, Simon Hammersley was meant to join us today. He's ill, which is bad. Uh, yeah, so I'm and, just on my own. And there was, and there's another potential, very, very special guest that we were hoping to have, but that might appear on a feed sometime very soon. Yes, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, which will, yeah, which we'll get back to you because it's very exciting stuff. Uh, and also linked to, well, is there any, is there any real news? This nah, week? nothing's going on. We could probably wrap this podcast up in a few minutes. Uh, by the way, is this the last yeah. one that Phil's going to be away for? No, one more next week. Oh dearie me. I'm, yeah. I, miss, I miss Phil. I do as well. I do. I hope nothing terrible happens to him in Malaysia. I, I would like to point out that I've maybe had one podcast that I haven't been able to do because I'm not there. I might have had another one that I couldn't do because te- technology just stopped me from doing it, but we tried. And I think you're pretty yep. much the same. This is uh, unprecedented. I have, I have missed one. I've missed one on my honeymoon. I even called in when I had a, a tree in my back. <laughs> Yeah, go and uh, if if you're new listener to the podcast, go and find the episode with JB uh, in from a hospital bed whilst being having just been impaled on a tree. Not an exaggeration, uh, but yeah, come on, let's get straight into it then. Saracens have okay. accepted relegation. So, uh, all right, so what's your initial thought then? My initial thought is still, frustratingly, a big element of confusion because. The statements that have been given both from Saracens who said mistakes were made, we've accepted relegation and Premiership Rugby which have said after negotiations we have decided that this will happen. Still no official word 
on why, what happened, what the options were, and the decision-making process. It's all very cloak and dagger, as it was with the report. It's been left to people like Tony Rowe to put some flesh on the bones, and what Tony Rowe appears to be saying is that um, Saracens had the choice. Open your books and let us have a look at previous years, or you're going down this year uh, because other clubs are upset. So I'm still frustrated at the lack of information and transparency. Yeah, 100%. So we don't know what Saracens have actually done. I think I've got a pretty good grasp of it now, but I don't know. I've not read the report. Everyone that has read the report seems to think, oh, this is only the tip of the iceberg. But tip of the iceberg to me isn't proof of anything in addition to what we know. Uh, we don't know how they calculated the cost of the crimes. And frankly, I, I'm starting to think this is a bit of a um, a bit of a farce now. Not only is it a farce how it's been handled, I think the punishment for Saracens um, is a farce too. Oh, explain that one. Because uh, <laughs> you're in agreement with Stephen Jones. Yeah, so, okay. Me and Stephen are almost entirely in agreement here. Okay, wow. Which is... Uh, yeah, now, Stephen Jones hasn't done what I've done and thoughtfully pick through this and work with the facts. He's not capable of doing that. He doesn't have the intellect or <laughs> the capability, literally, to do this. Uh, thankfully, I do. So um, this is this is how I see it, okay? The only things that we know, and until someone tells me otherwise, this is what we're going to stick with, is that Saracens have got effectively two things wrong. Um, number one, they made co investments with players into houses we know this we know this is completely open it's transparent it was put to premier rugby that is a fact they made co-investments into investment properties mostly although some players do live in these do also live in these properties uh, and that's what they got that's what they got busted for now if i own a house and you own half of it with me i have not given you a house that is not the same thing so if you both jointly own own a house and it's on a commercial basis. I see absolutely zero wrong with that. I also see zero wrong with um, Nigel Ray investing money into businesses. For instance, he might have helped out with, say, a Wolfpack Lager or uh, Jamie George's physio practice. I mean, I don't know these things, but let's say, you know, it's a business like that. That's done on a commercial rate. Now, interestingly, I know of players who've walked away from Nigel Ray's offer of business because, frankly, his his terms are very very stringent he is in it to make money these are not you know he's not just shoveling money out the back no, door these no. are real legitimate businesses I, I can understand all of that but um, I, I think that but no no listen yeah. if if yes so yes uh, and this is maybe going over all ground a little bit but yes investments yeah. could be can be separate however if the investments of x hundred thousand pounds there also happen to coincide with a contract where you're paid roughly that amount below your market rate, then it becomes a problem, and it's clearly related. So I don't, I don't understand do how, ha- how, we, how we're going over this element of it again. Because this is the only thing which I understand them to have done wrong. Everyone is saying that... I mean, there is one other thing which I've done wrong, and I'll talk to, talk to you about that later. Um, I don't understand your point there, Tim. I don't think what you're saying would work. Run me past that again. So... It, ha- it isn't just the case that uh, say oh, it, well, I'm, oh I can't, it's, I'm not I'm picking a name just at random I'm not picking a specific example. Yeah, yeah sure. if, if Owen Farrell had been paid uh, three hundred thousand um, pounds, or, or Owen Farrell um, had on the open market, let's say, could get six hundred thousand pounds a year. Yeah, Sar- yeah. Saracen said, um, "Well, do you know what we're going to put? We want to pay three hundred thousand pounds, but completely separate from that." 
we're going to put £350,000 into a joint house venture. It's like you, Yeah, but that £350,000 doesn't belong to Owen Farrell. It belongs to whoever put the money in. Mate, I, I feel like this is going off on a tangent we shouldn't I mean, be going down. Right, so, okay, so let me tell you how Saracens might want to buy a house, okay? Uh, maybe, maybe they buy it so when you join Saracens, because houses are so expensive around there, they will buy a third of your house. Maybe they do that. Uh, and then once they buy a third of that house, you are you are responsible for the rest of the mortgage, which is absolutely fine. When you leave that house, a third of the rent which comes in goes to whoever owns a third of that house. Um also, all the players will be responsible directly for the mortgage. Yeah. So actually, if, if Nigel Ray owns 50 houses in West London, he's going to be a very wealthy man. These, this is like legitimate stuff. It so, is not buying someone a house. So how have, how have, how have these um, rumoured £2 million over a salary cap? Not, where's, this glad, nine, where's this potential £9 million? Glad you asked. So this, what the actual regulation state is benefits. So it depends. What does that benefit look like? Now, if they are counting the benefits of this house, say, which Nigel Ray, say, puts £100,000 in, if they're counting that as a benefit of £100,000, that's completely unfair. That is utterly unfair. In fact, if anything, there is there is a value to it because obviously these Saracens players know a very wealthy man. It should be about 5% that. So, you're, so all... you're, you're disputing that the that, that, that Saracens have done anything wrong, even though Saracens have said we've made mistakes. Yeah, they have made mistakes. So, for instance, you couldn't do this sort of thing um, during a contract negotiation. That would be really, really bad. So, you know, maybe you're putting in half, I'm putting in half. We both think it's a great deal. By the way, Tim, we're doing our paperwork now, and we, I want you to sign up. If you don't sign up, I'm not going to sign up on, on onto this house. Okay, that's bad. Can't, can't, definitely can't do that. So, are also... you are you trying to say there is no link between the house investments and tr- and getting pl- and getting players cheaper than they would otherwise get them and well, therefore being it's... able to get more better quality players on one within one seven million pound salary cap so there are a couple of things you'd need to demonstrate to me okay number one would be are these players signing for below market value and i don't i haven't seen that proof in fact the only evidence i've heard was Lawrence Delalio on the ruck pro uh, on the ruck podcast saying that Elliot Daly moved for more money than Wasps had offered him. So that's quite interesting. So they're not going for below the, mar- below the market value. So you're disputing the whole thing? No, because I think there are... Okay, there is another element of this, which is image rights, which they seem to have got slightly wrong as well. And now this is really quite confusing and convoluted, but if you want me to go into it, I'm... I'm happy to, happy to do so. Is there a quick one? Uh, my head's already hurting a little bit because I did not expect to be going back down this rabbit hole. It, it, it's, well, it seems from less. where I am now that it's fairly black and white. But what's the, I mean, the question I ask everybody is, tell me what the figures are. Nobody that... knows any figures because there's no reports been exactly. published. No one's salaries are published. So, so obviously, there's a, this is... And I opened up by saying I'm frustrated by the lack of information, the lack of transparency. And... So we are left to assume that the agreements that people have come to have some basis in reality and aren't just completely spurious. Well, I mean, it depends how you calculate benefit. I mean, people look at these houses the Saracens lads have and they go, oh, they've been bought a house. But the reality is they haven't. They've been, they buy two thirds of it. Someone else buys, buys a third. 
And those are different equity stakes, completely different equity stakes. Now, if you want to say what how I would calculate that value is I'd say it is going to cost about 5% of the money is invested. Because if you wanted to have a finder's fee, for instance, to find a wealthy individual to invest in a house with you, maybe it's 5%, maybe it's 10%, but it's not it's not 100%. So that's the first thing I'd like to say on that. I mean, that that is, for me, for what, me so, barely... what, so what is the thrust of your point here? I'm not quite the, the, following that the, 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 this, this, this shouldn't have happened at all. No, the thrust of my point is, unless you can find, unless someone tells me of a different investment that has been made, which is not commercially viable for Nigel Ray, um, and actually Nigel Ray has got a really long history. Uh, so, like Wolfpack Lager is invested in exactly the same way as he's invested into a wine company. There you go. I mean, he the wine company has nothing to do with anyone from Saracens. It's run by a guy from Heineken, and they, you know, that's that. So he has a track record of making these commercial deals. As long as they're commercial, I have literally zero problem with them. Don't you at, think? At don't you think if there had been no grey area between these arrangements, that Saracens yeah. wouldn't be saying exactly what you're saying and would have continued saying we've done nothing wrong like they did initially? Uh, well, there is a grey area, and that's a problem, isn't it? I mean, I think there's a real value of being paired up with a very wealthy man with a lot of property knowledge and property experience who can literally say to you buy this thing and you're probably going to make money now that is because nigel ray is a phenomenal businessman that he can give that advice but that advice is worth something well saracens have accepted a 5.3 million pound fine they accepted a 35 point penalty which uh, was initially recommended as a 70 point penalty which the two ran concurrently and now they're accepting relegation so do you think if there were a gray if there were a gray area that was contestable saracens would have contested it so the interesting about the um, the audit point which Tony Rowe brought up, because as I understand it, it wasn't simply an audit. It was an audit. Well, what's this so audit Saras- point? As in, as in, we want you to open up your books yeah, yeah. You, historically. Or you go down. Okay. So open up the books or go down. But it was actually open up the books and hand back your titles. And they said, no, fine, we'll go down. And I kind of respect them uh, uh, for that. Because what Stephen Jones says, and I kind of think he's right. Unless someone gives me proof of what they've done, and this is your point, Tim, we need the transparency. Until I have that proof, with the knowledge of everything which has gone on so far with the property investments, I don't see anything wrong with any of those. They were even disclosed to Premier Rugby at the time. So how does, how does a Premier Ru- Premiership Rugby decision get made? If, if, 11 or, sorry, if the 12 other stakeholders all vote, then it's done. Is that, is that how it works? Because how have Saracens found themselves in this position where if there is any debate to be had they've not had a debate and they're having to go down to keep hold of their titles and keep their books shut yeah so let me just uh, go on let me talk about the overspend on the salary cap because that's another interesting point how do you get to an overspend on the salary cap so when you sign your contract and i am answering your question in a roundabout way but when you sign a contract if you have say three years on your contract and at the start of your contract you get paid 100 100 grand as a signing on bonus that 100 grand is then averaged out across all the years that you're there. Yeah, so to, for, to stop a balloon payment. Uh, say, for example, if Bristol were in the championship and said, we'll pay you a million pounds this year and 100,000 pounds next year when they're in the premiership, when they get promoted, it, it gets averaged. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. So that's why, that's why they do it. So Saracens have been caught unfairly, I think, 
uh, with these property investments. So £100,000 £100, goes into a house, all of a sudden that's that's on the cap number, all of a sudden that's spread because it'd be a one-off bonus across all these years. So when people say they have cheated every single year, what they're saying is they had one payment, but when we average that out over the length of the contract, all these contracts are inflated, and therefore they're breaking the cap continuously. But actually, they're not overspending. They're not putting more money in pay, in pay packets than otherwise would be there. Okay. They're just having these big sums averaged out. That's so, a technicality. Just on one thing, if if a um, half a million pounds was paid to buy a house and yes. it was a, a, a quote-unquote co-investment, 50% yes. each, but Nigel yes. Ray, say Nigel Ray put in all of the money. Yep. Th- yeah. Then then that means it, it immediately, effectively, it's a £250,000 gift to another person. No, because if, my, if Nigel Ray put in all the money, he'd own all the house. So he'd only put in... Ho- I mean, if that was the case, this is the other thing. Directors, don't, directors just... in businesses don't have to put in equal director's loans. I know that from owning my own little business. I, I could put in a director's loan to pay for something and the shares are still 50-50. Yeah, but your director's loan is exactly that, isn't it? It's a loan you take the money back. Do you see mm. what I mean? So there's no real problem there either. So Nigel Ray could put all the money into Wolfpack Lager, all of it as a director's loan and take it all and take it all back out. Or he could not, or he could take none of it out. He could take none of it out. But here's the thing, right? If these are scam shell companies, then you don't need to worry about premiership rugby and relegation at all. You need to worry about jail in the HMRC. So, it, you know, these are like when I keep saying that they are legitimate, they really are legitimate or people would be in jail. Now, if people get locked up and go to jail, fine. But again, there's no evidence to suggest that either. And yeah. I tell you where I think Saracen has been really badly treated. And I cannot prove this, but I suspect you can prove it in a few weeks time. They had a plan to slash their, slash their wage bill. And they thought, you know, with a few retirements, get rid of Liam Williams, you know, a couple of players here and there. We'll get we we will we will get under it. Now, no one has taken up sale on any of their players. Not one. Sorry, sale Saracens. <laughs> um, whoops. <laughs> Freudian slip. Uh, yep. Um, not one. Now it'd be interesting, wouldn't it? That now that they are relegated, if suddenly all these teams find cap space, and I were I do wonder if the way Saracens have been treated means that no one decided to sign their players almost like a conspiracy, and now they're going to go down. Well, you know, someone's going to sign Owen Farrell and someone's going to sign Billy and Leon, you know, all, all these what's things. That, uh, what's that law, uh, Occam's, what's that, Occam's Razor? The the most simple answer is often the correct yeah. one. Well, the yeah. most simple answer, the, the Occam's Razor for this one is much like Chris Boyd said when he was asked, we don't just have half a million pounds sitting around waiting for somebody to sign. We are spending our money and um and we've done most we've done the vast majority of our business. I Chris Boyd's absolutely right. I I do believe a lot of clubs when they say that. But um you know not basically not all of them. I mean it'd be the easiest thing in the world to wait for Saracens to go down and then get their players later. And I think that's exactly what will probably happen. I think Saracens will go down. They've been relegated now and you'll start to see player movement when actually what they needed is the players to be sold prior to this new fine. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit if this is a bit of a you know a, a bit of a stitch up really. And it, well, it's worth pointing out that this is a new sanction. This isn't the. Uh, it was originally when the rumours first started coming out. It was oh they're going to get another thirty five point fine. 
Yeah, because they couldn't get underneath the cap. Because they couldn't get underneath the cap. They're going to get another points deduction. But this is not another points deduction. This is a negotiation. I really, really hate the way this is all done. The fact that, you know, we've spent 15 minutes and you, I don't know, you might have a point, you might not. Well, I've got one other bit of information for you. This is going to blow your mind. And if you want to put any caveats into something, Tim, please put them in now because uh, this will blow your mind and you'll probably hate it. Okay, well, I I will will just say at this point then that that I, Tim Cocker, have absolutely no idea what JB is about to say. Yeah, okay. (laughs) What Um, are you going to say, JB? Whatever you want me to say in front of it, prefix it with apparently, allegedly, so I hear yada, yada, yada. Careful, careful. Go on. So one of the reasons they are over the cup is because of an image rights deal. And again, this is really important. And I'm sure this will get uh, reported sooner or than later. And this image rights deal is not like your image rights deal, which you get for, say, a player. So a player in I don't know, Leicester Tigers, say, say George Ford, maybe he gets 20% of his salary as image rights. And the reason you do that is you get some of your salary bang, uh, that gets taxed normally, and then you get your image rights, and that goes into a different company, an image rights company, and it's more tax efficient. As people with personal services personal services companies know, don't they, Tim Cocker? So, uh, you know, that's a little, a, a better way to, a better way to, uh, to earn cash. And, you know, if you say 20%, it, it'll also be proportionate. As I understand it, Nigel Ray went out there and bought the image rights of a very well-known player. Lock, stock, and barrel. So he's he's bought he's bought the image rights. The best way to describe that is say, um, say you're a player and you want to just concentrate on your rugby. You don't want to be worried about um, advertising with Adidas or someone. You just sell your image rights to a third party agency. They will deal with it. You get you get a check check in the post. Basically, they're paid to sell sell your face. Well, he's done that again on a commercial agreement. He's then gone and got a valuation from a third party independently. And then when Premiership Rugby have looked at this, they've got a second valuation. And the difference between Ray's valuation and their valuation is about £800,000, allegedly, which is a huge amount of cap to, to have. And, and that's, so, um, that's, that's related to the salary cap? Salary cap, yeah. So that would be another one which they... No, but, no, but to... that, that image right deal is related no, to the salary because... cap? Yeah, so if you're paying your image rights through the club, that does go onto the salary cap okay. because that's a very important distinction. So, you know, you might make, make 20% of your salary in image rights, so you can put it through a company, and that's nice and tax efficient. This is different because a player has basically sold all of his image rights, and then those image rights have gone off somewhere else with Nigel Ray, and then he'll turn a profit on those image rights by selling them to name your company, Vitality, or someone like that, right? Done. <laughs> when they have... When they have um, revalued these image rights, there's a difference. So actually, yeah. that difference looks like an eight hundred thousand pound gift, or an eight hundred. So that is now is a cap breach, uh, you know. But there again, someone can turn around and say we'd have had these things independently valued, and there's a big range of value there. So that's the other thing. But over, overall, I mean, it doesn't sound like relegation stuff to me. Unless someone can prove, you've got to give me the proof of something much, much worse. And you've also got to tell me, how have you calculated that two million overspend? Well, I can agree with you on the lack of information and whatever way, however you slice and dice it. And I think there will be, uh, well, there, no, there, not there will be. There are a lot of people who have already um, made their mind up. I- 
um, been yeah. been the juror and execution and all the rest of it. And I kind of understand that feeling as well. The clubs are clearly very upset. They don't feel like they've been working on a, operating on a on a level playing field. Um, the fact is, who knows? What you're saying could be absolutely right. It, it could be fantasy. I, I, to go back to the f- very first thing I said, the lack of transparency, that the fact that there were no official statements. Oh, the, it's a joke, isn't it? For isn't hours it? and out days, it was. It was sports league, apparently. Well, yeah, it hasn't that whole thing. And actually, I'm, you know, someone else who um, can be a bit cantankerous as a journalist, um, Brian Moore. Uh, actually, I think he kind of hit the nail on the head when he said this whole thing could have been nipped in the bud in 2015 if some very honest and open and transparent things were said and done back then, rather than kind of swept under the carpet. Oh, nothing to see here. Well, don't worry, slap of the wrists. You know, yeah, off you go. I yeah. mean, there are so many changes to the salary cap that need to be made. I think players need to be held accountable too. I think agents need to be held accountable. Maybe some sort of like self-assessment type uh, HMRC style process where you have to declare everything that you earn from a club and all of your links. Um, who was mentioning uh, Nick, not Nick Evans, what was his name? Ex, ex-director at Harlequins, very, very bright, bright bloke. He was talking... Oh, I can't remember his name now. Um, he was talking that there should be a limited number of players, um, which I don't agree with, actually. How you want to spend your salary cap is completely up to you, as is the amount of um, players that you want. Uh, and last of all, I kind of I feel bad for the RPA. So the RPA, I don't think I've done a very good job at all of representing the players involved in, um, in, in this. I don't think they are adequately equipped to do so. Uh, I don't think they have the first idea of how to approach this idea of co-investments. But it's quite important because players, as they get older, they're going to need something else to do. And I think what Nigel Ray has done so far, just with the information I've got, looks like exactly what he should be doing doing for those players. Well, well, well. There you go. That'll put the cat amongst the pigeons. But now let's just accept we're in the situation we're in. Um, We're agreed on the lack of information. I don't know enough. And you're a financial advisor and... You may what you're saying may have elements of truth. It may be false. We and it may be completely know. wrong. Yeah, it may yeah, be completely might, wrong. Yeah, there might be in that report. They've been shoveling gold bars into the back of Range Rovers and giving out South African farmland and Rolex watches. I simply don't know. I'm just telling you what I know based on what's in the public domain. Really. Yeah, well, there's not a lot in the public domain, but maybe um, conversations you may have had. So now we are in the situation we're in. Let, let's let's deal with the fallout of it. Firstly, one on the. Um, the, the, the complexion of the Premiership season has completely changed. Suddenly, well, yeah. w- one game I was massively looking forward to, March the 1st, uh, London Irish versus Wasps at the Medeski Stadium. I was thinking I might um, you know, ca- catch up with, my, with uh, my brother, go and have a couple of drinks and go and watch that one um, at the Medeski because there's a lot riding on that one, it seemed to me, but not really anymore. Not in the same way. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, what do you do with your Saracens? I, I personally don't think I'd send a team out. Why Why risk it? What, what's the point? What are you playing for? What do you mean? Like, as in... Well, you're already... Actually... You, would, you of... wouldn't fulfil a fixture? Come on. No. Why bother? I mean, I guess... Hang on a minute. Let's just work this through. Let me work this through in my tiny mind. That's very it's un-Saracens. It's that's yeah, not it that's is. not showing it, any oh yeah. that's not it's showing very, any and that's not showing any uh, humility and 
um, humility is one of their values that they have plastered Absolutely. all around the it's stadium. It's Saracens, and it's very petulant, JB. I, I get it 100%. <laughs> and that's why Saracens never want me to run their club. Um, however, uh, hang on. there isn't a further points deduction, is there? It's just automatic relegation. Automatic relegation. And uh, can, oh. I, actually, I, actually, on that point, that, still that, in the league. That, that's one other thing, just looking back at the way this is dealt with, that's one other thing I would like to just mention. Let's just um, war game a scenario where this relegation hadn't happened and the and things were carrying on as they had been done. You get to an yep. end of a season, and let's say London Irish are in 12th position. Yep. Bearing in mind the original recommendation after the, invest, uh, after the salary cap breach uh, investigation and points deduction, the recommendation was for a 70-point deduction, which the decision was made to halve it, or, so, sorry, run, them, con- run the 235-point um, finds concurrently, which basically yeah. means halve it and make give Saracens a fighting chance at, at, at surviving. You think if London Irish found themselves in a relegation position, they're not just going to be straight to a, a legal team to say, hey, this isn't right, this isn't fair, um, we can test this. Um, I wouldn't I mind. I, 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 I wouldn't mind betting that that would. I mean, you would understand yeah. it if that's how it played you out. Would, yeah, I mean, it depends if if London Irish had voted for it, <laughs> they'd be in a a pretty a pretty uh, tough situation yeah but yeah i can definitely see there's an argument for that but there again you know if they wanted a 70 point deduction they should have given them a 70 point point deduction um they decided to keep keep them in they decided to give them a, a quote-unquote chance uh to get rid of some of their players and get underneath the salary cap in reality looking back at it, it is obviously they couldn't do that because of the way the the wording was the way you structure salary caps and deals yeah. and they couldn't shift shift those players so you add all those things up that's probably well. That's exactly why this second round of uh, discipline has come, come down on them. Don't particularly like it. I think first round is probably enough. But there you go. Well, how how much worse has it made it by just not ripping the plaster off in one go? I mean, we talked about the tw- doing it in 2015. They could have nipped it in the bud back then. But then they, they had the chance to just go right. We're going to deal with this. Everything out on the table, and uh, it's 70 points. So effectively, Saracens are down. It's done. It might have been a bit of pain yeah. and heartache, but at least we're not having this where it's rumbling on into January. This well, is, the um... automatic relegation is interesting because I think when it's first reported yesterday, it was more points, wasn't it? Or the leak was more yeah. points, but actually it wasn't. It was just straight relegation. Yeah, that's the, 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 there, were, there were different conflicting stories until the actual statements came out. So, it, there's a, the, so uh, Saracens can still get top four. I'm convinced on that. <laughs> if it was well, beating everyone else. Again, Every, in... everyone... If they try, if they put out the best teams available to them, and they try, but clearly their focus is going to be uh, on March the or sorry April the second, third, fourth that weekend, the quarterfinal oh of the European Cup. Europe. Imagine it must be a really weird. They must be incredibly close as a team now because it's just it's such an unusual scenario that they find themselves in. Like they're still fighting on all fronts. I mean. Uh, Alex Ferguson used to talk about uh, fortress mentality or whatnot. Uh, this must be the ultimate version of that. So, c- could they technically win the Premiership this year? Well, yeah, I guess. Don't see why they couldn't. I mean, I was under the impression it was more points. But if it's not more points, yeah, why not? If they get top four, go for it. Everyone's beating everyone else, so it'll be harder to get. It'll be harder to catch Leicester because Leicester will start winning now, I think. And London Irish will start some points. It's going to be harder to get into the race but once they're in the race they're really in the race because anyone can get top six top four then it's going to be a massive test of this squad who seem and have seemed over the last few years just the, the so together and 
yeah, such an incredible, like, such an amazing culture that has been the envy of people, and people have talked about it. And well, actually, and let's let's be honest, for, down to fourteen men, we saw it today. Two two weeks running, we've seen it. We've seen it two weeks. Yeah, a hundred percent. And uh, uh, yeah, well, I mean, this is a test, but but let's let's try and war game now. What, what's going to happen to all these players? Like, there's some rumours today. I was just looking at again. This is all. Uh, hearsay and speculation, but the uh, uh, reports that Owen Farrell said he wants to stay. Do you know what? I, I don't like Owen Farrell. I, it's pretty obvious when you listen to me talk. What a man, though. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if he hangs around, what a guy. Uh, completely changed my tune on that. Uh, I, I mean, he if he hangs around, yeah, of course he's our highest paid player. He's worth a fortune. Yada, yada, yada. Gets well paid for, uh, for his work. But he's still going to give up a year of his career and a very short career going into the championship. Good man. If he decides to do that, good good man. Right, so here's the thing. If you were a premiership club and or a director of rugby and you could sign a Saracens big-name player for one year knowing they were going to go back to Saracens, would you? Uh, would I? Yeah, probably. For one... Yeah, this is the thing. I, I can understand signing someone... I, yeah. think, I think it's a weird scenario having them for a year. I think there will be times where that would be good. And uh, again, I'm just going on the, the, the things I'm reading on different newspaper reports, but there are c- certain clubs that have certain positions that they have in uh, as, well, you know, well, Sale, in need. Sale would love a second row. Yeah, Sale would love a second row. Leicester, I imagine, would love a hooker. Um, that, that, that's been mentioned um, in the newspapers today. They've got two that are coming out of contracts at the end of the season. But mm-hmm. most clubs would like to sort of make a longer term plan than just one year. Like, do you know what the other thing is as well, Tim? Which is really weird, and you don't usually get this. Is when you sign a player, it's because they want to move. You very rarely sign a player who really doesn't want to move. Is really very happy in one of the best clubs ever. He's not fallen out with any of his teammates, um, and you're going to take him and what? Make him go to London Irish? He'd be delighted with that. Just watch his performances skyrocket. I mean, I reckon when you actually unpick this team, obviously they've got the superstars who are great, but they just won't be as good for the new team as they have as they are the old team. I think it's very much a case of buyer beware here. It's kind of what I'm getting at. Not so much that they'll be uh, worse, but but more that you know that they're if they know, okay, I'll go and I'll go and I'll go there for nine months and then I'll be back home. Yeah. Effectively, it's uh, it. <sighs> Yeah, well, I mean, it might not be a perfect situation for everyone. Whereas some of the other things that have been suggested, um, players going to France for a year, or um, maybe they could be treat it like a sabbatical. And would Eddie Jones enforce the exceptional circumstances clause that people have talked about, but it's never yeah, actually happened? If this, is, if this isn't exceptional circumstances, I don't know what is. Yeah, I agree. I mean, <laughs> it is pretty exceptional. If the, and if these English teams are true to their word, they do not have the salary cap space. How do you, you can't get Billy in there. You can't get Mako in there. You certainly can get Owen Farrell in there. They can't move to these other clubs because they can't be a marquee player anyway because they're coming from an existing English club. So, well, Would it be a situation that Saracens would have to keep funding most of their salary and other premiership clubs would get them on the cheap? Well, if they loan them out. For a um, year. I don't know what Mark Wilson's deal is with Sale, but that works for everyone. Uh, Mark Wilson's a great leader around Carrington. Um and when Newcastle come back up, they'll have a player who has been in a really good competitive environment, still with England, yada, 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 ready to go back and lead them. It can work. If you were, if you were Maro Itoji, where would you go? 
France. Oh, I mean, it's yeah. Racing. Racing is where I, I'd, I'd go and play in the Thunderdome for a year if I were him. Uh, yeah. Why, why, why am I even thinking about this? Yes, absolutely. I spoke to, um, uh, if you want to listen to the Rugby Dungeon, you can listen to Sam Hidalgo-Klein on the Rugby Dungeon, who was just at uh, Racing before moving to Lyon. And uh, it sounds awesome. It sounds really, really awesome. Yeah, so I, I can imagine there'll be offers in France. We'll see about uh, England. I imagine there'll be some players moving, staying within the Premiership. But it's just, it's just going to be fascinating to see whether it's long or short term. Yeah, yeah, quite. Um, yeah, it's it's a messy one. Uh, and the thing about Saracens as well is they might lose all these players, but really it's not that important because what Saracens have got, which no one else has got, is they know the secret to winning and they know the secret to building building a team they're going to go down there uh, to the championship they're going to play a load of young english lads and by the time they get back they'll have the core of their next championship winning team that's how it goes because they know what they're doing yeah it's the, this do, do you know what i honestly th- i was thinking about this earlier on, on the plane back and i was thinking about this podcast and i was actually thinking if you were writing a if you if you were trying to find a story that might be a hollywood movie if this were an American football team going through this, you can imagine the finish of this Hollywood film um, would be the team going down, rebuilding, coming up with their youngsters, and then going on and winning everything. It is. Do you know, it is oddly reminiscent, isn't it, of one of those awful American football movies yeah. where they find the star player is ineligible because his mum moved house or they registered his birth across the town border and now he can't play for his school. He's got to be re-enrolled somewhere else. It does, yeah. So we'll see, but uh, they're they're taking their medicine, and it's it's a bit a uh, high cost has been paid, because... and and it's it, you know the the one thing I would say about the reaction, I I feel really sorry for Sar- Saracens fans who were told by their club we've done nothing wrong, mm-hmm. um, who were told by their club, oh yeah, we've got these investments, but there's nothing there's nothing to see here. Then they then they were told by their club, um, okay, and well, and it's 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 the, the the messages have gone differently, and now they're saying we're really sorry, we apologise, um, we, we've made mistakes, and and we need to yes, we need to agree to go and get relegated. Yes. So quite. they they those fans are going to feel a bit, they're going to feel really cheesed off. They're going to feel a bit cheated if they went and you know in the pub went and stuck up for their team and said. And the thing is, well, as well, because Lord Dyson has spoken. Everyone says, oh, they've cheated. They've cheated because they're being found, well, guilty, effectively. But that's without really taking another look at it and thinking, what do we know? What are they accused of? Yeah, and then working through it. And that's when that's that's basically where I am. And by the way, I'm completely open to changing my mind, as I am on almost every subject. But I just need different different information in order to do that. Well, yeah, they're in. They're the ones in the the people that have seen it. Are they're the ones in possession of that information? Uh, exactly. But but I I would say, and again, it's just it's it's just Twitter. I think, and and I you know I put I put a tweet out to that effect. But I I genuinely mean it because I I am a brother of a player that was a, a kind of a, a jobbing solid premiership uh squad member um mm-hmm. and i also work at all these premiership clubs and come into contact with a lot of the guys that you don't see that aren't the big names that, that aren't going off to england and you know mm. people working behind the scenes and that those are all the people the jobbing players that might be coming the to chef. the end of their career the chef the 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 the, the, the guys on the ticket uh, on you know on the gates all of that, I was mm-hmm. suddenly thinking, God, 
what a bombshell that's going to be for them. Yeah. And, and think, I suppose, do... and the reaction to that has been, yeah, but everyone gets relegated every year. But yeah, yeah, but they weren't in very, you know, they weren't all very, very comfortable winning European titles, and it's all relative, isn't it? It is uh, all relative. What, what, what do you think of my, um, of my plan? I've got a new plan to both keep relegation and to ring fence simultaneously. Go on. Uh, uh. So, 13-team 13, 13 league, I've been thinking about this quite a lot, actually, and it's mad, but if you just think about it a little bit sideways, you might be able to get somewhere with it. 13-team league, every year one team has to sit out on on, uh, on the naughty step and therefore <laughs> is ha- has to be funded by the other 12 clubs. That way, kind of like uh, income sharing in, in the NFL, that way you can have your ring fencing, but we still get all the excitement of a team going down. And the team that has gone down, imagine if they installed like a Jamie Joseph to get all their players firing, fit and ready for when they returned. That'd be awesome. <laughs> You're building, playing, you know, playing friendlies now and again, doing community work, getting all strong in the gym, working out. And then by the time they come to next season, wow. Well, Saracens could do that next year. Yeah. They could do that. I think they, will. they could do, uh, right, we, we're going to, let's go. Let's go training, and they'll just pay a squad to go and bit, have sunshine training all year round, getting massive. Who is, who is the closest championship team to Manchester? Tim, do you know? Uh, championship. I mean, it might be Leeds, but I don't even think I don't think they'll be a championship team next year. The way things are going for them. Yeah, no, they won't be. Uh, Doncaster. Yeah, it probably is. You know. Oh, I don't want to go to Doncaster to watch Saracens. No, there's some good championship clubs, mind you. There's there's. Yeah, um, great ones. Not, I just want it easy, easy on my doorstep. Nottingham's not too far away, but it's not on your doorstep. But that's a good club. Um, yeah. Championship. I'm just thinking. Jersey, no. Pirates, no. Doncaster, maybe. Oh, that, that, that was one of the funny jokes where someone on Twitter said uh, the closest Saracens are going to get to Europe next year is Jersey. Hey, you uh, uh, no, Hill. Amptill's a good club. Uh, yeah, you're right. Nothing, there's nothing really northern because Yorkshire are going Hopkins, down. Scottish, Horbury. Oh, how, Newcastle, <laughs> Carnegie. But I think Carnegie are pretty much down anyway, aren't they? Yeah. Look, look, looking at things. Who's who's top of National One? Who's gonna, who might come up? Oh, National One. Now you're testing my knowledge. No idea. I'm just going to look. National One, Roslyn Park are top at the moment. Oh, that's no good to us either. Mm, with uh, Rams are from Reading and Richmond, so no, it's going to be another London one. So they're going to have lots mm. of derbies anyway next year. Yeah. Oh well, never not, mind. Not a lot of yeah, travelling yeah, going yeah. on. Good. Good. <sighs> um, so you've been at some games this weekend, Tim. I have, but before I get onto that, I just want to mention that I mean, this it feels so long ago now. Last Monday, I went to the went to a rugby writers' dinner, and I was oh, ch- wow. I, I chatted with some guys from Exeter. Because I mentioned okay. I mentioned a few weeks ago on the on the podcast that um, even in a halftime team talk, I noticed Henry Slade double tapping on his chest, a thing we used to do at Exeter University, which is called EG, which means empty glass. If you uh, were you, I, I didn't think you were aware of this one, were you? No, I wasn't. This is no, new to me. so it's an Exeter thing. Um, but uh, yeah, apparently that is. That is the very least of it. They do it with everything. Empty glass is <laughs> is something they do all the time. Even if they're having lunch in the club, if they're uh, and also the other one is, and I remember this from Exeter Uni as well, but I've forgotten about it. But they reminded me 
that there's there's a thing called not out where if someone hands you a drink yeah yeah and they're not out and you have, you have to say not out otherwise you have to drink it and yeah. and they do not even Exeter players everybody at the whole club Rob Baxter everybody at the whole club apparently does the not out thing so even if someone you're having a Sunday lunch and someone passes you a gravy boat you have to say <laughs> not out and if you don't they make you it's <laughs> like a it's like the YouTube uh, series, isn't it? Don't drop the egg. Yes. And uh, he, he left his cup of tea too close to the edge, had to neck it. Yes, that, they, they do that rule as well. They do the the, uh, the rule on the edge of the table. And they edge. have another one where, and uh, this was a new one on me as well, but you have to you have to keep like your pinky on the bottom of your glass. Because if, Ooh, any, if, any, if anyone can rub their finger all the way along the bottom of your glass, then that's a punishment as well. Wow! So all I'm saying is, Exeter Chiefs take it very, very seriously. There is, it's, and it's it's this attention to detail which will win them win them the Premiership this uh, this year. Absolutely, it, th- this is how they drive their culture. I also heard that they well, that they have got the most pimped up Premiership bus, and it, the the company the company that made their bus have put disco lights in, um, put all sorts of shenanigans going on on the inside for their long bus trips. Uh, to, oh, amazing! To the point that even the the, the company that fitted it out said, uh, "No Premiership football club have anything like Exeter Chiefs have on their bus." Wow! Yeah. Now, now there's a player benefit that should be in, included in the salary cap. <laughs> and uh, this, in looking at all this, because it one reminded me of university. Secondly, I just thought it was awesome. But Exeter Law students, it's such a thing down there in Devon that the yep. Exeter Law students at Exeter University actually drafted a document called the Session Act in 2017, which is online. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And lists all of these drinking rules, which, as I understand it, Exeter Chiefs stick to religiously. Excellent. I tell you what, sounds like a lot of good journalism uh, happened at that dinner. Well, yeah, there you go. Real, I, real vital work. I wish I could have picked the brains of people about the, the Saracens thing because there was we knew none of it back then. Anyway, uh, right here's a question. Um, one thing that did happen, which is uh, bad news: Billy Vanapola broke his arm again. So who is yeah, going to start? Say- who's going to start for England at number eight against France? Oh, that's a good question. Um, who would start for England at number eight? I oh, do you know what? I was, my mind immediately went to um, the guy who I can't remember his name of now. Mot uh, Mot Wilson. I think he's been very very good. <laughs> he's there, but of course he's got a bad knee, 
And it doesn't look like he's going to get enough competitive rugby in him in order yes. to play for England. Yeah, it's a shame uh, for him because he would be the one, wouldn't he? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sam Simmons is playing well, but it doesn't seem like Eddie likes him particularly. Um, and then on top of that, you've got... So is it Nathan Hughes or Alex Dombrandt then? Alex Dombrandt, that seems to be a good shout. Is it, because... Yeah. Yeah, because I don't think Eddie likes Nathan Hughes too much. Just reading between the lines, I don't think he rates him particularly. And Alex Dombrandt, you know, new face, give him a shot. Dombrandt actually seems like, think about it, he's in a remarkably good position. It seems that way. Eddie Jones was watching him this weekend. Mm -hmm. He was was watching that Claremont Harlequins game. So, yeah, um, I think he might actually end up getting a shot, not just in the squad, but actually in that number eight jersey. But I agree with you and pe- that people should not forget Mark Wilson because he was the one that's, yeah. that deputised f- when Billy Vanapola was unavailable uh, over the last couple of years and did brilliantly as well. Yeah. If you can't get a big carrier at eight, what you need is basically another seven. And not for the stealing and whatnot, for the work rate. You can sometimes get around it by volume of carries. And Mark Wilson's a big old, big old animal anyway. Uh, the other one who might be of interest is Zach Mercer. Again, just not seen him. He's been injured, but I agree. Had he been fit, then I think people would have been w- waving the flag for him as well, for sure. Yeah. Uh, apparently, there's going to be quite a few changes to, to the Singleton squad. An awful lot. Really? Uh, that that yeah. Well, we're going to see. By the time a lot of people are listening to this podcast, it will have it will have happened. Uh, uh, it comes out tomorrow as we record this. Yeah, so the word is quite a lot of Northampton players. Yeah, um, I could understand that. Which makes perfect sense. Yeah. But the, hang on. Have they just... Be, this kind of annoys me a little bit, which is, yes, Northampton are playing well, but their players are have either always been good or they've always been bad. They've not become good players just because Chris Boyd showed up, right? No, I agree. I, I totally agree. You need to be able to consider the context... And it's understandable if players go and do it in a European Cup quarterfinal and have a have a belting game, then they've they've demonstrated something yes. something special. Uh, but but there is a context, like again, and that that's why actually you know give credit to Eddie Jones. He you know he he said no, Mark Wilson, you I can see how good you'll be, even though he's played at Newcastle when a lot of people weren't clamouring for him to be in. He gave him a shot and he was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, yeah, so quite. Uh, quite a few changes. And is that the last squad to be named for the Six Nations? Yes, this is the Six Nations squad. Sorry, not the last England squad, the last of all the squads. So Scotland's been announced, hasn't it? Wales has been announced. France has been announced. Yeah. Maybe Italy has or it hasn't. I don't know. No, I don't care. Well, men- you, mentioned, you mentioned the Welsh squad. Um, are you... Do you... Do you I mean, you're, kind, you're Welsh, kind of. North, <laughs> North, North Walian. Do you... Are you... Well, please with Nick Tompkins. Um, ooh, interesting. Uh, well, there's a guy that could get off the that they could get off the salary cap immediately now. Uh, I am kind of pleased is the answer. The the squad needed to make an impact, didn't it? Because we're in the post Gatland Wasteland years now, and if it, anything's going to be successful, there's going to have to be some excitement around Welsh rugby. Because at the moment, all I can think of is doom and gloom. So all these, like Will Rowlands is a good player. He'll, you know, he'll get you on the front foot. Good, good carrier. Tompkins is a good replacement at Saracens. I mean, you quite like him, Tim. I think he's a very good player, but I don't think we should be getting excited about him being 
you know, a world-class international. Nick Tompkins has had an amazing week, even though Saracens have had a terrible week. He started, he started the week as a replacement, and by the end of the week, he was basically nailed on Lion. So he's had a really good week. <laughs> yeah, I know people do like to hyperbolize a little bit. I, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's been uh, one of the few standout centres in the Premiership the last year or so, last season, and this. I, th- I think he's absolutely uh, outstanding. I, I, I'm not so. I'm not saying it's a travesty that he wasn't picked. He hasn't been selected by England. I think he's a guy that. Yeah, he could go on and, and prove himself. He's only 25. He could go on and prove himself and do really well. But equally, he could be one of those guys that gets, you know, 15 caps for England. But he could go on and get 60, 70 for Wales and play in a couple of World Cups. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we did. Now, there is a bigger issue for me on this, which is, well, first of all, the regions, they're there to produce players. And what does it say that there are so many lads that have, been picked Wales that have been developed in England. So that's quite worrying. Uh, also, these guys have been picked, presumably because they're playing well, in environments where they are currently thriving. You don't become an international because you're a bad player playing poorly. Is it wise, therefore, to say to these lads, OK, you're now being picked for Wales, here's a little sniff of your international money, nice, isn't it? And then telling them, now you've got to leave your club where you're doing so well, so well, in fact, you're now an international, and come and live in Swansea or Newport. doesn't seem to... It seems like a rather nasty pill to swallow right uh, uh, right at the end. But if they want to continue to be internationals, they're going to have to continue their international journey in a Welsh region when it's time to re-sign a deal. No, they're going to have is, to change this. It's, it is, I, I, they're going to have to change this residency. Uh, sorry, not residency. They're going to have to change the... Uh, the Gatlin's law. law. It's. I agree that it, does, it doesn't work. Doesn't make sense. It isn't fair. It's not right. So I mean, just think about this. You've got two players, and one of them is a second row, and Ospreys need a second row. And, Os- and so Ospreys turn around and go. By the way, we need a second row. Here is your quote unquote market rate value. Please sign for us. And the guy says no. Well, he cannot play international rugby anymore. Second guys are scrum half, and all scrum half spaces are full up. And they go, do you know what? We don't need you. That guy can then go and earn as much money as he wants in France or England or elsewhere and still be an in, be in international. So in a way, you've just got to be unlucky that the Welsh regions want you. <laughs> Not thought about well, it like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, but back to the squad. I do think there's some exciting names there. Lo- yeah. Lovely to see uh, 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 Owen Williams back. Yeah, Tompkins is fine. Will Rollins is probably more significant in my mind. Yeah, it's good. It's good squad. Yeah, I, th- I think Wales should. Uh, I, I would be more optimistic than beforehand uh, than I was. But now on the Welsh thing, very briefly, you you put out a a tweet which is very unlike uh, JB. Ooh, to refer to you in the third person, uh, mentioning the Willis Halaholo thing in relation to Nick Nick Tompkins. Oh well, I'll tell you what that was all about. So. Yeah, I've just said, look, Willis Halaholo, Nick Tompkins, no one mentioned anything. Um, I was just saying what it... I wanted to know what it felt like to be virtuous. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I put that out there. It felt good. I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, st- stirring the pot a bit, got me 50 extra followers. Well worth doing. So, it, well, that that flies in the face of go woke, uh, get woke, go broke. Oh, is it, oh on Twitter, it's, it, it's the opposite, mate. It, it's the opposite. So, yeah, I mean, I did think there was some element of that because Willis Halaholo has definitely contributed more to the cause of Welsh rugby than, and, and Mick Nickel 
for the record. I just put Halaholo because I could remember his name. I couldn't remember McNichol. Oh no, no, was... leaving out leaving out McNichol meant all the people that that, that want to say that it was racist or something were able to uh, you know get behind you. Yeah, yeah, but I think there's a point there. Halaholo has definitely done more for Welsh rugby than uh, Tom than Tompkins. One of them is praised as you know the next uh, Lions captain, and the other <laughs> one's like it's an absolute sham. It's an absolute sham. So. I don't care who they play for, frankly. No. Uh, I, I think they make, go out there and make as much money as you can. So if, if we're predicting, um, if, you're, if you're saying there's a fair bit of turnover in England squad, who do we reckon will be the, the, the most unexpected bolter that might get into Eddie Jones's squad? George Furbank would be pretty... Yeah, everyone's been talking about him, though. That's not, it's not going to be a surprise when it happens tomorrow, which uh, it will. Um, they're going to need a scrum half from somewhere, you'd have thought. Not going to stick with Youngs, are they? Yeah. Surely not. I think he will, yeah. I think, uh, I, think and, I think he'll stick with Youngs, Hines and Spencer. Youngs, Hines and Spencer. Uh, yeah, Spencer's obviously... I'll tell you what, will he go for uh, like an apprentice type thing? I'm going to try and predict... Let's, let's predict... A uh, left field apprentice. Left field apprentice. Uh, Ollie, Someone... Ollie home. If you're saying there'll Good. be loads of, loads of Northampton players, Ollie home will be a youngster he'll get in to have a look at because he is a big boy. He is very, very developed for whatever he is, 18, 19. Ethan Painter has been Aaron, spoken Aaron about. Painter. Aaron Painter, sorry. Ethan Waller is who I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, that could be one. Um, maybe someone like uh, a Cam Redpath. Yeah. Maybe. Well, he's been in one of Eddie Jones's squads before as an apprentice, hasn't he? Or was and he in as an actual... Good. No, he wasn't even in as an apprentice, was he? I think he's in a full, as a full squad member. He was a full member. squad did his, member. He didn't see him again for a year. Yeah, so there you go. That might be, that might be a ten twelve option. Something like that. I'm trying to think. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe. I'm just trying to think of some. I mean, obviously, Northampton's going to have a ton of players going in. Um, I'd like to see someone like you know, like an Ollie Lawrence or an, or an Ibatoye have a go. Someone young and really exciting. Well, Ibatoye's been in his squad before, but I could see that. Has he? Yeah, he's been in one. He's been in an Ed Jones squad before. Yeah. Huh. There you go. He was Actually. one of the. In fact, maybe as an apprentice, but. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. He's an exciting player. For yeah, sure. Yeah, well, we can we can run down the England squad ne- uh, next week still without Phil. Yes, we can. Oh, Phil. Right, we're going to have to get, we'll have to get, see if we can get the hammer on uh, for that one as well. Yeah, he's ill today. So th- definitely next week. Yeah. Uh, okay, so um, tell me about the matches that, that you're at then, Tim. Uh, well, let's do, well the, the the Munster Ospreys game I, I was at, I love going to Thoma Park. There was, there was, like 18, 19, it might have even been 20,000 people there for a, nice. for all intents and purposes a dead rubber. Uh, I just, the, the place is just fantastic. It was a pretty rubbish game. Um, and Munster, for the, well, they, they've got to the semi finals more than any other team. They've qualified for the, uh, for the knockouts 18 years out of 24. And they've gone to the last three semi finals and they're not out of the pool. Um, and I think when they look back at it, they'll go uh, uh, not getting the drop goal against Rassing at home that would have won them the game, not taking three points against Saracens. There's three at least pull points there that they that they just left begging. They haven't had a a settled ten. They've got even their established island players. When you look at the island squad are all under pressure. Connor Murray's feeling the heat from John Cooney. Peter Amani's not going to be a guaranteed shoe-in, nor CJ Stander, nor Keith Earls. So they're in a spot, and they've 
that they might have to go backwards to go forwards. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And just going back to the thing about the pool, I mean, you make it sound. I mean, yeah, you are right because they are. You know, there were times where they can say, "Yes, we should have done this better. Should have done that better." On the other hand, it was a bloody hard pool. Yeah, Rassing and Saracens. Man. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. It's proper hard. But on the plus side, they had Ospreys as well. So they, you know, so they did incorporate rest weekends. Yeah, but they should have beaten Rassing at home, and they should have got at least a point away, of, away against Saracens. What do you think of, what do you think of Ospreys in in the flash? Because I, you know, I like to harp on about how bad they are, but um, you know, they're not actually full of bad players. No, the team sheet was full of great players. Alan Wynne Jones and Bradley Davis were in the second row, and Justin Tipperick was in the back row. Uh, now I don't know much about rugby, but they sound like reasonable players. They're all right. They're, yeah, they're all right players. Um, just it's not good. It's not good. That they 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 stuck in there for about half an hour. Were a bit dogged, but um, no, they're in a bad spot. And that's yeah. they've they've only won one game this season. I think that's. 13 games in a row they've lost. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And they still keep signing these players. Reese Webb's coming back. Anz comes on the payroll somewhere. Not seeing him yet. Um, Scott Williams uh, uh, Scott pulled, pulled out uh, before the game. They've got uh, Owen Watkins coming back to fitness. Yeah, so they've got... But when I watch them, they just... They look like they're running through the motions of a rugby team rather than actually trying really hard. Yeah, there's a bit of that. And it's... Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's a it's, it's going to be a write off of a season again. One, at least there's no relegation or anything they have to worry about because it's going to be a long season. Yeah, um, and the dragons qualified for the knockouts of the of the other one of the lesser of the, of, of the lesser the, the challenge cup. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and we can get onto the challenge cup. But but so that, that's kind of Munster Ospreys like qualifying. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. They're, they're really good. A, a Welsh region on the up and set up an absolutely mouthwatering match. Bristol Newport, sorry, Bristol Dragons. That is a tasty <laughs> quarterfinal. Well, you say it's tasty. It's a one-sided quarterfinal. Well, no, Bristol. but just but just it's Bristol v Newport was would have been one of those real grudge matches either side of the bridge. Yeah, and they're only one trace off away from each other. Exactly. I think. Exactly. So that's a brilliant, so yeah, that's, that's a brilliant quarterfinal. Yeah. It, well, I mean, I like the history of it. I think the reality of it is going to be a brutal, brutal beatdown for, um, for the Dragons against a team who I think will probably go all the way in that competition. Mm. They're certainly one, certainly one of the favourites. You would have to say now. Yeah. Well, the, so the Challenge Cup quarterfinals are Bristol against Dragons. It is what, well, and then the other home. Matches are going to be Leicester are going to be at home, uh, and then there's two in France, isn't there? Oh, Leicester look dangerous. Bordeaux, Bordeaux and Toulon, mm. and I think it's Toulon Scarlets uh, are going to is going to be the. There's some the, really good games there. Yeah, some decent games. Toulon Scarlets is exciting, definitely. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the, and now but, the big boys come. Uh, but but uh, but the main event that was exciting. Well, firstly, Saracens. I didn't see this because I was watching the, uh, uh, you know, I was watch, watching the incredible game at Thoman Park. So obviously, I had the I had the hot seat. But uh, if you took one for the team and watched the uh, Munster Racing game, uh, the Saracens Racing game. I only saw the first half of it. At a Saracens Racing game. Yeah. To, to attend to and tried to watch it on, on my phone. Yeah. Absolutely amazing scenes. Uh, Vakatawa runs through the Saracens' defence like it's not there, and then went missing 
and then Saracens have a man sent off, and you think, ooh, this is looking bad, because, of course, Saracens have gone from a fairly comfortable lead, and it's all going well. 14-0. Yep, Owen Farrell throws an intercept. Okay, not a problem. You know, these things happen. You're, you're still on the right, going in the right direction. And then before you know it, they're down going, in, going into, going into half-time, having squandered the lead, and they've picked up a red card. So, And Billy yeah, Vanapola's think- gone off with a broken arm. Yes, quite. So all these things, you think, oh, maybe it's just not their day. And they, they and they got relegated the day before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when it rains, when it good. rains, it pours. Yes, quite. But they made it, which is amazing. I mean, they're going to take some stopping now. Well, yeah, but it's Leinster in Dublin. I think Leinster fear them. Well, they got absolutely battered in Newcastle in the they final, did, didn't they? And this Leinster team is a Leinster team post World Cup where a lot of those Irish players had their invincibility suits on before or after the World Cup I think they are I think they're they're a completely shell-shocked bunch of individuals still and they won't feel that same invincibility that they had maybe the year before or the the year prior to that Have you been watching them though in the Champions Cup mate? They are unreal They are good They are good I'll give them that but I don't think I mean the thing is they know they're good they know that they're better than 90% 90% of other teams, but they don't know that they're better than Saracens. So that inner belief that they have when they play everyone else, just I don't think it'll be there. It's going to be some occasion that. What what a game. Yeah, the, mm. the subject, that is something else. If, um, if Saracens, and, and by the way, just on, um, I chatted to, I, I chatted to, I spent some time with Alan Quinlan and and, and uh, David Wallace today. All right, name, just name dropping, yeah. Go yeah, on. just just name dropping. But I, I mentioned the David Wallace one because I know he was a bit of a man crush of Phil's um, when we when we met we, him at a, a Canterbury event. Oh yeah, we did, didn't we? We did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. It's an amazing shape. He's an he's an incredible shape. He's yeah, a incredible. Very, very dashing gentleman, anyway, and a lovely, lovely man. But basically, uh, no one in Ireland gives a damn about the salary cap. They don't care. They they just don't care. So it's not it's not going to come onto the radar or the conversation. Leinster are not playing against cheating Saracens. They're just play they're just playing against Saracens. Yeah, I tell you what, it gives knockout rugby a real extra dimension now that they know as soon as they're out of that competition, they're pretty much out of everything. Yeah, this is it. It's their one lifeline. What? So uh, yeah, it's going to be something else that. And like I say, Leinster look irresistible. Although they didn't. I mean, in, I don't want to be disrespectful to your boys, Benetton. Um, who actually made it really hard for Leinster. Yeah, they're a good team. Very, very good team. Especially at home. They're still not quite there in Europe yet, but getting there. I yeah. mean, what they, did they win? They beat Scarlets last year, and they also came within a, a, a kick of beating Toulon last, uh, last year. Yeah, they probably they should have beaten Northampton this year Two. at home. Yes. So And they did beat, um, who's the other team? They did beat Leon at home. Did they? Yeah. Did they? Yeah. Oh, there you go. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're a decent team, but uh, Leinster, um, Leinster Saracens is the first semi-final. The next semi-final we'll see, uh, quarter-final, sorry, we'll see Exeter up against Northampton Saints. So we are guaranteed an English Gallagher Premiership side in the Heineken Cup semi-finals. Excellent. Excellent. This will be at Sandy Park, um, and it was achieved because Exeter just... Well, they just did a job again. They did a, a proper Exeter job. Yeah, so that's their first ever home semi-final, right? Or quarter-final, sorry. Yeah, they've only qualified once before. 
And that was and a... that was they went out to either Wasps or Toulon, I seem to think. Uh... So they went out to Wasps. They went out... Wasps went out to Toulon. They went, out, like they went out to Wasps. It was the Gopeth Lake kick, wasn't it? Was it that yeah, one? I th- yeah. I think rings, you're right. That rings a bell. I think I worked on that one. I think it was that was. I think I worked that game. I think, yeah. that was, I think that was maybe the first European, proper European match I worked for BT Sport, and uh, and I had to te- I had to sort of message my mum and said to say, I'm having lunch. Morning. I'm I'm having lunch with Brian and Brian O'Driscoll sat across from me. Wow. Yeah, I know. Wow. That was like you know. That's, that- that's when you know. That's when you knew that you'd made it big time. I seem to remember you telling me when you came back and said, "Jay, I made it big time." JB, I'm big time. <laughs> that's it. I remember that day because you wouldn't look either. You demanded that me and Phil didn't look you in the eyes. Uh, oh, you remember that day? Yeah. 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 Look at the floor. Look at the floor when he talked to me. <laughs> no, I just remember it freaking me out. Like, oh, is this happening? It felt out of out of body experience. It was mad. Um, but no, uh, Exeter did their thing. They they did La Rochelle. In proper Exeter fashion, um, mm-hmm. muscle and everything, and Northampton went away to Leon and were staring down the barrel. And another impressive half, second half from Northampton. They've they've got in the habit of this, just ripping teams to shreds in second in the yeah. second half. Like they've forgotten how to lose, to coin a phrase. Yeah, there's something building there. Did it against Wasps? Uh, I mean, the Wasps one was really impressive. They were down to fourteen, maybe even thirteen at the time. Uh, and found a way to win after losing a, a big lead. Uh, the only worry you would say about them is they keep on... I mean, when they sort out this nonsense of giving up loads of points, they're going to be an amazing team. But I don't know if... Maybe that's just the way they're built, to give up points. I don't know. Well, uh, they were 17-5 down at half-time, but the second half, they won 31 points to 7 away in Leon. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, hear, I, I did hear that Leon might have had a meltdown around the 50-minute mark. Well, whatever Northampton are doing, they've earned themselves a quarterfinal, and that is that is something else. Um, that is impressive. Um, Completely. And the third quarterfinal is going to see Ulster travel to Toulouse. Yeah. Um, judging by how Toulouse went today, I don't hold out much hope for Ulster. That said, they are incredibly gritty. And when they show up, you know, they're very... As long as they've got everyone fit... It should, it should be a good game. I mean, I still think Toulouse are massive favourites, but you never know with Ulster. They've got a knack of pulling out these results. Uh, that's the second pool match I've watched at the Kingspan Ravenhill this year, and I I I, lo- I, I like Dan McFarlane more every single time I uh, I'm in a room, get to spend a little bit of time in the room with him. I love that club so much, and they do little it's things. Cool. It's such a great club. They do little things. Um, so there, there was. I noticed all these signs up all around the place, and they have a they have this autograph pen area after a game, just behind the grandstand. The, the, yeah, they send like eight Ulster players out, and there are hundreds of kids. You can't oh, move. Hundreds of kids, who? and it's such a small little simple thing. But apparently, it's something that Dan McFarlane brought in, and he just said, "Right, twenty minutes. I want eight guys get out there and." Take loads of pictures, and it's just fostering this really special relationship with with. It is the, it's already quite a popular club, anyway. Yeah, no, it's really good. So it's interesting. They had um, Fafter Clerk in the Ruck Truck, which I absolutely love. That name. <laughs> um, at at Sell uh, Sharks because, of course, he's hurt his knees after six weeks. Yada yada yada, and uh, the queues to see Fafter uh, Clerk compared to anybody else is ridiculous. 
absolutely ridiculous. What is it like? Is it kind of like a Santa Claus thing? Yeah, basically. It's like going to so see a supermarket. It's a sail shark version of going to see Santa. Only this time, Faf sits on your knee. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So I don't know actually how it works. I've not been in there because I usually have a player in the mar- in the Sharky prior to the game. So, you know, if you want to go sell, sell sharks, the pregame there, exceptional. Um, I will interview a player in the Sharky. And then across the way, they'll have a player sign or players signing autographs in this really cool van, which I think I'm right in saying the owner of Sail Sharks used to drive all around the United States, I think. And they've, all, they've, they've done it up in like Sail Sharks thing, um, logos and, and whatnot. Do you know, almost like one of those 18 vans, but except in Sail Sharks paraphernalia. And you go in the van and you get your picture taken with, uh, 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 with a player. Very cool. It's, I mean, it's breaking all the stranger danger rules that you teach kids. But um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can get into a car with this stranger. It, it, we've, he's all right. Yeah, that stranger's fine. That very muscular stranger <laughs> in there is fine. So, uh, yeah, we've got... Uh, and, yeah, Toulouse did look, look really, really good. Uh, Ulster, I, I, I like the cut of their gym. The other thing I noticed, they've got this... Um, and you're going to hate this. But one of the things they've got near near the front of the stadium where the players walk in is this, and the players walk past it when they all go in, is this huge m- mural of a load of huskies. And I think it's the kind of their what? version of the wolf pack thing. Oh, no, really? A mural of huskies? Yeah. Where, do you remember there was, <laughs> there was a, a time not so long ago when that picture of huskies was doing the rounds or wolves? Which one? There's a picture of, like, this is the leader wolf. This is the reserve wolf. This is the one. And everyone, it was like a meme that everyone co-opted for their own for their own benefit. Oh, cool. No, I, that, that one missed me. I know I know. wolves became a very hipster thing. Are they? Yeah, like hipsters wore T-shirts with wolves howling at the moon on them. That's a, that's a big thing. And also there was a thing a while ago, wasn't it, of animal prints, like animal picture sweaters. Yeah, that's that's it. Exactly that hipster. That's yeah. a prop, that's a proper hipster thing. So yeah. Oh, is it? So Ulster go. have got Ulster have gone hipster. A pack of huskies, which might explain some of the haircuts on rugby players these days as well. Yes, right. Uh, and uh, the final um, quarter final is going to be contested between. I'm just remembering. Oh, uh, uh, Claremont are going to host Racing. I would love to work that one. Yes, that's the that, one, isn't it? That that that's the club fixture. That I think is the most likely away victory. Rassing hosting. No, Rassing away at Claremont. Rassing away at Claremont. Ooh, that is going to be some game. The not just... like honestly, if like, I would just say it now, if you just want a weekend away somewhere, which takes in a rugby game. Try and get tickets to that Claremont match. They'll be hard to come by, but the, the that stadium. Is bonkers. You yeah. won't you won't regret it. It's amazing. Better than the Racing Stadium. I've not been to the Racing Stadium. Have you not? No. I thought you had. No, no, I've not. I'm not seen a game there. Yeah, we must really do that. I hope. I w- I'd like to watch France play there. Do you know when they have one of the minor in minor oh, international yeah. games? That's one I want. Uh, I'd like to see because uh, Stade de France is a absolute hellhole. I think I think it should at full time. They should get the disco lights going, get the music going, just turn it into a nightclub straight away. Is that a joke? No. If no, that's what they do. What? Sorry, are you winding me up? No, is that no, no, no? I, like I know that's they've, got, I know they've got the disco lights and the music and stuff, but they don't like just like sudden. It doesn't. Yeah. 
Is that that's literally what they do? Yeah, yeah, literally. So what they do is as soon as it goes, uh, Nick Mullins, go, go and have a look at Nick Mullins' Twitter. He's like, and there you go, it's the bar. So, and actually, go and listen to my rugby dungeon with Sam Hidalgo Klein. And he explains it. What they do is they have under like that a massive, Under that huge screen is the bar. No, the other side. The other end. So one side is, is, the, is screen, and then underneath the posts, literally underneath the posts, they have a bar. Oh and my everyone, goodness, that's amazing. Yeah, and everyone just piles on. I, I, I still can't get my head around why this is a good idea, though. Because, you know, you're playing on bottle tops or, 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 or whatnot. I mean, they must, have, they must have some procedure. And also, the ground apparently is different behind the, behind the posts. I need, to, I need to check it out more. But yeah, they have, they have a band there and all sorts, and the lights go on, and everyone goes through a quick drink or a long drink, depending on what your preference is. Well, Negroni, obviously. Obviously, obviously, a Negroni. But yeah, I was thinking like it just it can't be good. It's not like grass, is it? Where you spill some alcohol on grass and it just disappears. I mean, this is like plastic turf stuff. So when the players come back to play on it next week, is it all? Is it like? Is it like a nightclub floor? <laughs> Sticky. Yeah. Some, yeah, sticky carpet. Exactly. So I, I, I don't know. Sticky I, I carpet. Sticky carpet's the name of the house band that play there as well. Good name for a band, exactly. actually. It's a great name. Uh, my name uh, band name was Polar Bear Knife Fight. <laughs> I, th- I actually think that might have been no. No, you're right. I, I've heard it somewhere before, but I think I've heard it from you Me. saying it's your idea yeah. of a band name. Yeah. Uh, P, <laughs> P, G, P, oh, forget it. Uh, right. Uh, any other rugby stuff? Because obviously, Super Rugby starts next week, and also a full thing of um, Premiership fixtures. Oh yeah, we've got. Uh, Have we got any, uh, any any other rugby news, by the way? Because it seems to be so dominated by Saracens. I can't. If there was any, I can't even think about it. There were the squads coming out: the Ireland squad, the Scotland and Wales squads. Kind of think that was it. Yeah, slow news. Slow. It was a slow news week until it wasn't. Wow. Yeah. It is bonkers. Like, what? What, what is? So you, from what you were saying earlier, and just to, not to want to return to it too much, but yes. do you think there's going to be lots still coming out about the whole Saracen, the, the ramifications, the players, where are they going to go? Is Eddie going to invoke an exceptional circumstances? What's Warren Gatlin going to say in relation to the to the Lions for 2021? You you, yeah. you seem to be saying there's going to be more news coming out about the actual the contents of what happened or what, uh, what didn't I happen that might dribble I, out. I, look, the problem you've got right is it's all conjecture, isn't it? And that's why we need the transparency because I can say all I want about properties and whatnot and how I think it's fine, uh, but until we know what's in the report, we we will literally never ever know. Uh, but yeah, the player things are going to happen. The players will, will have to move if they want to play for England unless Eddie gives them an exemption. But interestingly, the RFU cleared up that they are still eligible for England. They did. That was always the case. But it was, yeah, it was a... Well, there's an example of an organisation preempting some questions that might be asked and putting a statement out before the questions are even asked. I know, I know. That's how, that's how you do communications. Do you think that the Premiership needs a commissioner? Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, uh, do you have any ideas who this commissioner should be? I have an idea. I know. I, a, I, I know, know someone. I know someone who thinks they'd be great at it. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, Stephen Jones. Stephen Jones would be. I mean, I, I think I should be commissioner, and the first thing I do is hire Phil to do all of my admin. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be it'd be a good role though because we've got a salary cap now. There's lots of discipline that needs meeting out continually. I don't like the idea of just a twelve club owner saying yes or no. Here's a vote. Hush this up. Hush that. Um, release that. You know, it's all very very arbitrary, and it's going to be a business. So, yeah. Uh, what, one thing that I saw, uh, courtesy of you posting it online, but I know loads of other people did as well. Cambran versus Treorki. Amazing. A huge Amazing. dust up, and we're not talking like a like a, a bit of handbags that you get in rugby now. This was this was full on windmilling by thirty men on a rugby pitch. <laughs> At a lower level, a lower level Welsh league game. They look about eighteen as well. It looks like a Colts game. Was this a first team match? Got no idea. I, it just appeared on one of my WhatsApp groups, so um, I shared it. I shared it on shared it on Twitter. But I think it's gone fairly viral now. It has there gone some, very viral. Yeah, there's some really good quotes from it. Like uh, it wasn't really that sort of match. It just flared. It just flared up once. So, to which I think, like, well, what are the games like, which are fairly tasty then yeah. down in South Wales? Because, I mean, I'm just looking at the very end of the video and there are people strewn all over the shop. I like yeah, the one guy at one point, he just takes his shirt off, he rips his shirt off and walks off. Does he? Uh, this, yeah, where is it? I don't know whether his shirt gets ripped off him. But, um, oh, yeah, there he goes. He's just taking his shirt off and walking off. I think he might be, like, hiding his number. No one, no one's going to get me on video. I'm not getting suspended. Um, so who knows what... Yeah, anyway, anyway it's a video... It's one of those videos, right, which is now circulated the internet. Everyone's enjoyed watching it. The players have probably all had a beer together now. And there'll be some higher up somewhere worrying about the image of the game, preaching from up, from up on high. It, I, I very much enjoyed it, and I'd like to see more of them. <laughs> I want to see nobody get uh, too badly hurt. I think, like as yeah. I've said before, like in NHL, when I love a bit of ice hockey, if two guys find themselves flaring up, they're both going to go off. Yep. Just leave leave him to it. Yep. I think that's fine. Um other than so, that, we... other than that, I don't think there's no there's nothing else I really want to cover off. Excellent. Should we talk about next week's games then? Oh, um I did watch one game of rugby yesterday. Go on. Yeah, I don't think I want to talk about it. <laughs> oh, uh, we 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 the AJ Bell. I was not at the AJ Bell, no. I walked into a pub and it magically was on TV. I mean, all big, all big pubs in Manchester show the Sale Sharks game. Um, yeah, it was hard to watch, to put it mildly. Great if you're a Glasgow fan. Well, I mean, what I'm saying, it was a disastrous day for the neutrals. Um, why is that? Well, you know, most neutrals like like watching Sale Sharks and how they um, and how they play. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a particularly good day for neutral people. I, um, I, I'm glad you reminded me because I completely didn't mention uh, Glasgow um, getting the five points, but then being edged out uh, of the quarterfinals. Yeah, Glasgow played really well actually. To be fair, some uh, load a load of energy and intensity with with the way they play, and I think I think Sale just weren't expecting it. Frankly, I think you're right. Um, yeah, as for the pre- the matches coming up this weekend, Friday night game, Northampton v London Irish. Now, presumably, uh, England, anyone involved in an England squad can still play in these this round of matches. When's the first Six Nations game? The following weekend. First weekend Is in it Feb. Really? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Two um, weeks' time. Crikey. 
Uh, I, th- I think. I'm just. Oh gonna, well, we'll just, look at that later. I'm going to check. Uh, now. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, two weeks. So maybe they won't. Maybe they will be able to play. Maybe they won't be able to play. I don't know. We'll see. But this yeah. little, this. Uh, well, I was going to say this little period now. London Irish have got to start getting points, but they don't. No, interestingly, Gregor Townsend said something about the. Um, I, yeah, here, yes, here you go. I don't think they are playing the English players because Gregor Townsend came out and said it's ridiculous, ridiculous that the Scotland players have to play Premiership games and then. Uh, have to play an international one week later. I do not think that's ridiculous, bearing in mind the international week games are spaced one week at a time also. So, there. Yes, but you're quite right. Particularly now there's no relegation. Some clubs, if if they don't, if if they can, might go, ah, it's all right, we don't need to. Uh, Northampton, we'll see what they do, but they host North- London Irish um, without a load of England players. Uh-huh. Irish might spy an opportunity. Equally, I think yep. North- Northampton at home... You'd have to make favourites, and I think we'll win. Um, yeah, I think they will blow Irish away. Frankly, depends how many English players are. Because if suddenly Dave Ribbons and George Furbank and uh, Alex Mitt, it's, do you know what? That's um, that's the scrum half that I might say might be a real outside bolter. Hey, Alex Mitchell, hey, or Mitchell, Mitchell, yeah, um, and, Gr- and Grace and Grayson might get a, a like an apprentice slot. I would say that Alex Moon's playing quite uh, quite well. I wouldn't be surprised to see him to see him in the England side. Not in the side, but in the wider Oh the in the in the training squad, definitely. Um Okay, on yeah. to, on to, on to Saturday and we've got Bath Leicester. Nice Derby. Well is it a Derby? It's, it's not a Derby, is it? Well it's always had a bit of a, a always had a bit of spice to it just the traditions they were the two big powerhouses back in the 80s and the early who, 90s. Who has the better calendar Bath or Leicester in terms of their rivalry games? Cuz Bath Gloucester is probably the best game in the premiership. Bath Bristol's pretty tasty. Bath Exeter's pretty tasty. Bath Leicester's pretty tasty. Why does everyone hate Bath? <laughs> Leicester have got Northampton and Bath and is that it? That's it. Bath. Everyone hates Bath. I think probably Leicester Wasps has got a bit of edge to it now because of the old games they used to have back in the day when the, they were t- the two yeah. big clubs and now that they're quite close together. Um, didn't Leicester Tigers take out an advert or Wasps take out an advert? In Le- Either Leicester took out an advert in Coventry. Yeah, that's what happened. Wasps did one in, did one in Leicester. That's but again, what... yeah, they're not. it's not an historic rivalry like Bath is, is it? Anyway, uh, I say Bath to win. I don't know, actually. They're both pretty bad. No, give me Leicester. I think Leicester are going to start winning, though. I, uh, if there's no England players, then I think Bath will win at home. Yeah. Uh, ah, yes. The England players is going to be a big one. Bri- Bristol host Gloucester. The the Atwood, uh, the Atwood Bowl. In fact, no. Dave Atwood's played at all all of the clubs, hasn't he? He's played at Bath, he Bristol, has, and Gloucester. The, uh, the southeast or southwest, southwest. or whatever. Yeah. Southwest. Um, yep. Uh, give me Bristol. I think Gloucester. I just can't really... They're just... They're so Gloucester-y. Mm. They go on a run of wins, and then they'll lose, and then they'll go... go they're just fickle. Sips wasn't playing today. Mm. I think that'll be a tight one. I, I could see Gloucester sneaking it, but I'll I'll go for a home win. Narrow home uh, win. Until- no, no, so I'm, I'm going to go for Gloucester. 
But I, I, did, I did about Eaton, but until Ed Slater's back, I'm, I'm not. I'm not backing Gloucester. <laughs> he does make a massive difference. Friend of the pod. Huge, huge difference. Um, I'll go. I'll go Gloucester to, to to sneak it. Exeter against Sale. Uh, Sale for me. This one. Um, they travel particularly well. They're going on to Exeter, turn them over five points, <laughs> not a problem. Next, <laughs> Exeter will win that one. I, I expect Exeter might win this one. Uh, Worcester. Well, equally, but they've, they've they've built a squad now. That they, I was going to say they might change a load of players, but they can change a load of players. Yeah, it makes no difference to them. They're awesome. Sale have gone down to Exeter before and put in some good performances. Historically, it's worth pointing out. But um, I think they hammered Exeter last game of the season. It was a, a couple of years them. ago. They got fifty points and smashed, smacked them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Worcester v Wasps. I'll probably do that again. Worcester Wasps. Uh, Worcester Wasps. Give me Worcester. Worcester. I'm gonna go Worcester. Uh, no, I'm going to go Wasps. Mm, yeah. I'm going to go Wasps. Okay. Uh, uh, and next one? That is, uh, the last one is on Sunday, and it's Harlequins against Saracens. Grudgy as you like. Uh, I've, got, I've got no idea what happens in this. I don't know what Saracens will be planning, what team they put out. I just don't know. I re- Maybe... Maybe... Saracens grind Harlequins to dust with their first team. Maybe Saracens grind Harlequins to dust with their second team. Either way, someone's getting ground to dust and it won't be Saracens. If the roles were reversed and Harlequins had been in the Champions Cup and relegated and everything and then they were playing Saracens, Harlequins would put in every one of their top-level players. It is their biggest match of the season. It's one of those things, isn't it? When one team thinks it's a derby and the other one has no clue. Yeah, it is a bit like that. Harlequins really, 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 really don't like Saracens, and it's they really don't like them. And I think, as you say, Saracens have elevated themselves to a point where they it's they don't really register it in quite the same way. Yep, completely agree. Um, I'm just thinking now. Uh, Saracens derby is probably Racing and Leinster. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got that to look forward to in April. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so Harlequin's grant, grant to dust. That's pretty simple. Done. So uh, I did mention at the start a, a, poss- a guest that we were hoping to have tonight but might be able to have a conversation in the coming future. Do you want to say what that was? No, let's keep it a secret because we don't want to... Uh, we, we want to keep our powder dry, but that might be in your feed tomorrow, as, as early as that. So yeah, I would definitely He's say totally in the air. I would definitely say this could be very, very interesting. And based on the first twenty minutes of this conversation tonight, JB, it could, it could, it could be very, very interesting. But yes, um, yes. But I would just say hit subscribe in your feed. Tell your mates, and uh, and thank you very much for listening. Indeed, right. Uh, thank you very much, Tim. Nice one, JB. I'll, uh, yeah. No, that's it. I was going to start talking about stuff that doesn't relate to the podcast and just relates to normal life and stuff. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send the file over the internet to you, but I don't need to do that. I'll just say, let the boys play. Yeah, let, let the boys play. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.